Well, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm Dr. Priya Gupta for Interventional Mindset. And today I have um, the one and only Dr. Brandon Ayers, uh, part of the cornea service at Will's Eye, also a dear friend and someone who cares passionately about uh, the ocular surface, whether you want to or not, because we get all these patients, right? <laughs> Can't help it. No matter what you do, they're coming our way. That's right. Brandon, thank you so much for taking time. So today we are going to actually talk about um, in-office MGD treatments and try to drill down into um, what patient might do best with which procedure, which um, Brandon, you and I were just talking about how this is kind of like the special sauce algorithm <laughs> that really right. is anything but an algorithm. Um, and so, you know, we have access to so many amazing uh, in-office treatments. Today, there's um, Lipoflow thermal pulsation, tear care, eye lux, um, micro bluffer exfoliation with Blefax, um, and intense pulse light therapy. And so we have so many options. Um, walk me through kind of, you know, how do you decide, um, how do you stage your patients, and, you know, what are you looking at to help shape that decision? So we start our our diagnosis the same. You know, for me, this is like the corneal ulcer. A corneal ulcer can be a little problem. It can be a huge problem. And you kind of go, oh, my God, what do I do? And it's like the ABCs. You're just like, sit back, get some diagnostic tests, do your exam, and the answers will start to come to you as you do the exam. So almost all patients coming through our office, especially when they're, they're, they're usually referred in because of their ocular surface disease. So we don't have to figure it out. We, we know what's there. We just need to learn how to split it and figure out what treatment protocol is gonna work best for them, at least in our opinion, and we're not always right. Yeah. So we start with, with tier diagnostic testing, um, MMP9 or inflammatory. We do a lot of osmolarity testing. And then most patients will get a, an imaging of the meibomian glands, uh, mybography, and then a good clinical exam. And the ASCRS algorithm with the LLPP, the, the look, lift, push, pull, works really, really well. You want to look at the ocular surface with stain. You want to try and see them before they've had proparacaine or at least proparacaine for a long period of time. Pay special attention to the lids, looking at the contour, look at the meibomian glands, uh, push on them and you know, see what comes out. Are they all clogged? Are they, is there inspissated oil coming out or is it more of an olive oil to your breakup time? And I know this sounds like a enormous amount of work, but it takes about two minutes to do because it's just, it's very quick, it's very focused. The diagnostics may take a few minutes to do, but your time in the office putting this all together into a plan that makes sense doesn't really take that much time. But now you've got tests for inflammation, you've evaluated your tear film and how good or, or ungood the tear quality is, you have your mybography, and you've got your corneal staining, and you've also got your patient in front of you. And, and even the, the way the patient looks, how the patient approaches you, how old the patient is, it all goes into that special sauce as to what treatments you think are going to work well for them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it's amazing how overwhelming everything you just mentioned can sound, but it, it's largely driven by staff members gathering data for you. And the time that it takes 
the clinician to put it all together is really just a few seconds. And, you know, some of those other things, you know, that I look at, I, I look at, you know, how mobile is my patient? You know, are they going to actually do treatments at home? Is this a family member that's brought them and maybe I'm only going to see them, you know, once a year because it's going to be impossible for them to come back. Um, and I also look at, you know, what have they tried? Because a lot of times people have come in and they said, oh, I had procedure X and it absolutely doesn't work. And you look in and, it, and it's, it's because, you know, they have something else going on, like a, a lid malposition or, you know, something else. And so those, um, all of those things, and, and I, I do want to bring up lid position too, because it does also guide my decision in, you know, which treatment I might choose, because we've all seen the MGD patient with super floppy eyelids, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, the exact opposite, you know, a patient with very tight fissures where inserting something might not be feasible. So right. um, those are, those are absolutely all things that I take into consideration too. And you know, one of the, one yeah. of the last things that I'll look at, and uh, this is something that probably most practitioners wouldn't do is if I do see a lot of collarettes or a lot of deposits at the lash margin, I will actually pluck a few lashes. And I have lab scopes in my, in my offices and, and we'll actually look for demodex. Um, I don't think that all lid margin disease and ocular surface disease is due to demodex, but I think some of it is. And we've really seen some remarkable recoveries when we do a more demodex targeted treatment, which can be combined in many cases with other MGD treatments or procedures. So don't forget demodex it is real and if it's the the major problem in your patient it needs to be addressed absolutely brandon i think it was actually you that made me get a 75 dollars toys arrest microscope i had that scope <laughs> that is, yeah, it double a batteries <laughs> yes exact double a batteries and i still have that puppy to pluck a lash here and there and look under the mic. I got my first scope at Toys R Us too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think Toys R Us is open anymore, but. eBay though, it doesn't, it doesn't cost a lot to get a lab scope and it's, it's uh, certainly been, it's, it's worth its money in gold. Absolutely. Now, I mean, one of the ways that I like to kind of categorize some of these patients is by looking at myography. How do you kind of incorporate myography? Is it is, does it play a more central role when you're trying to assess MGD severity? It does. So I usually look at the myography after I've done my clinical assessment. So it really helps to validate and, and guide my decision as to what kind of treatment modality I'm going to use. Because you know, we'll already know that the patient has blepharitis. I mean, you can see that part on exam. And I've already made some kind of a quality assessment as to the meibomian gland secretions and also how difficult it is to express those secretions just by pushing on the lid margin. And then I'll look at the mybography and say, ah, yes, you know, we do have something to work on or we don't have something to work on. Um, you can see dropout, you can see gland dilation, and you can see asymmetry sometimes from the medial to the lateral lid. And you want to know that you have some substrate to work with. Are there any glands at all, or is this a burnt out lid? Because that's going to change for me what treatments I'm going to recommend. Uh, for an example, somebody with fairly consistent lid disease along the lid margin, I, who has relatively easy to express meibomian gland secretions, I think probably will do well with a lipoflow. 
Um, we don't need to concentrate on one area of the lid. The, the secretions aren't very difficult to get out. So I think an automatic heating and expression will work pretty well for that patient. Somebody where I have to really work to open the meibomian glands, I'm not sure that lipid flow has enough opening pressure or pressure on the lids to, to get those glands open. And the patient like that, I think I can use a tear care where I'm doing manual expression. I can actually see what it takes and I can, I can either compress harder or less hard depending on the demand or work more focally on a certain area of the lid, whereas lipid flow is just gonna kind of do everything everywhere at the same compression force. So that, that, that is one of the tools that I really use to help me figure out which modality is gonna work best for you know, this patient or that patient. Absolutely. And I use exactly the same sort of algorithm. And it really is, I think it takes a little bit of time and maybe just a little bit of focal attention to train yourself to, um, you know, internally grade how well the myobum flows, what its consistency is. And it just takes looking at a lot, a lot of lids. Like, you know, we all look at lids, but if you are, if you start paying attention to those things, I think it does make a difference. Um, the the other kind of category of patients that um, uh, that we haven't talked about. So whenever I see patients with more severe atrophy of the meibomian glands, I actually tend to steer those patients towards um, IPL as their first option, um, or even the patients that maybe have like a lot of rosacea plus some atrophy. And the reason is is that those patients, you know, they come once a month for four treatments. And what happens there is that, you know, they get that repeated expression after each treatment and then the repeated light treatment. And so, um, you know, all patients want to have sort of that like one procedure that's going to magically cure <laughs> what's going on for them. Right. But uh, in, in, in cases where they're more severe atrophy, um, I think it is important for us to kind of look at almost like staged procedures. And I certainly have patients where you know, for example, I might do a series of IPL and then do something like an ILUX or tear care or lipid flow afterwards um, to try to um, initially focus on some of that inflammatory load and then follow up with um, something that's just much better at relieving obstruction. So I'm not sure if I have told you about my first IPL experience. Mm -hmm. um, if anybody out there is using IPL for the first time, do not step on the pedal while you're looking at the light. Oh. Uh, I thought that I blinded myself like for good. I'm like, oh crap, I'm disabled. I'm Don't done. look at it. Make sure you've got the glasses on. But if you ever questioned, is there energy in that light? The answer is absolutely. It is <laughs> incredibly bright. Um, but it, for me with IPL, it's a planned, you're gonna come back now, I think most people routinely do three or maybe four yeah. procedures, you know, as a planned session. Um, and that's probably the right thing to do in a lot of patients. The way that our office works, I'm trying to do something that I can treat it and get long-term effect and not have to bring the patient back. Now, if, if you tell me that IPL is the greatest thing ever for ocular surface disease and meibomian gland dysfunction, I mean, I would agree that it certainly plays a role there, then I would, I would use IPL. But I'm trying to find a system where I can treat once every six months or once a year and get a good effect. And maybe I'm looking for something that doesn't exist. And we'll often combine procedures as well. Like I think both tear care 
and Lipiflow work better if I do some kind of blepharoexfoliation before and sometimes a month or two after to help keep the effect going? Because almost everybody feels better for a month or so, but I want to get them to six months, nine months, or 12 months before they feel like they need to come back and get another treatment. I think that's so critical. I mean, our patients, especially now, you know, now we're in, in COVID times, no one really wants to come back to the office. And um, I, I think part of, you know, picking the right procedure is actually having that kind of year long plan. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more about incorporating um, microblepharoexfoliation exfoliation with um, a procedure to relieve the obstruction. So often I do exactly what you said, which is, hey, let's start out with the blepex. Let's just unroof and debride all the the yucky stuff off your lid. And then four to six months later, let's let's come back and do Lipiflow, tear care, Ilex, you know, whatever procedure we've chosen, and then kind of alternate those because it's not realistic, I think, for a lot of patients, unless they're in that early stage, mild, you know, very little meibomian gland atrophy. Um, those are the patients where I agree with you completely, you know, doing a single procedure can often last, you know, a year or longer. But anybody with that moderate plus disease, setting a plan and having kind of a, a recurring event <laughs> of some sort. And, and I like yeah. pairing things that are synergistic um, and not necessarily repeating the same um, mechanism each time. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's critical. I think we get a better effect when we're doing the, the the, the main procedure, you know, which for me is usually going to be a lip flow or a tear care. Um, and I'll, I'll tell patients that this likely is not going to cure them. I mean, we want to set their expectations also. So I'll say, look, you know, the studies show that this is going to work pretty quickly for the majority of patients. And, uh, you know, and I think these procedures play a strong role in that, um, that, that the, the, um, optimizing the ocular surface prior to cataract surgery or, or whatever surgery, laser vision correction, contact lens fitting, even just getting a new manifest refraction if you're doing comprehensive eye care. Because the studies all show that these procedures work quickly. Within two weeks or so, you're seeing some improvement. But they don't always last that long. So telling somebody that this is part of your plan, this may need to be repeated, and bringing that up right up front and saying, look, if you get no effect, we probably will try something different. If you get good effect, but it doesn't last that long, we'll try something to get it to last longer. If you get a great effect, you still may need to repeat this in six months. So finding that procedure that the patient can tolerate well, I think is important. And I have some patients who just do not want any kind of occlusion of their eye. They really don't like the, the, the on the eye feel of lipoflow, others don't mind it. But some sometimes the lid fissure is so small, like you mentioned, you, it's a fight to get it in. You're trying to make this procedure seem like a spa. You're gonna like this, you're gonna feel better. And you're like using a fellow and two arms in your foot to try and pry this thing in. That's not gonna be the procedure for that patient. Yeah. They're a tear care procedure, or maybe an IPL is gonna be better where it's just external heat. It's a longer heating period, but they can open their eyes, they can keep the eye open. Not with IPL. They got. Yeah, I was like, you did teach us yeah, that lesson. <laughs> but tear care can be very, very comfortable for a patient. They're they're not locked into the machine, but the compressions are probably more powerful, and, and maybe they will or they might you know not like it. Tear care is also very portable, and I've got three or four different locations that I go to. 
it's hard to have three or four lipa flows, especially we got lipa flow kind of at the height of the sale and it would have broken the bank for us to buy four or five of them. With Tearcrow though, I can actually fit that, that device in my pocket and take it from office to office. So if I'm seeing a patient at a remote location, they don't want to come into the city. And right now people are trying to stay out of the city yeah. up here in Philadelphia. So I can say, fine, you know, I can do this at a, at a remote office. I'll just bring the tear care with me. I can literally put it in my white coat pocket and we can do a procedure out there. So it's very, very portable, which is nice. And some of the other machines are a little less, little less portable uh, as compared to tear care. Blefx is also very portable. Uh, iLux is portable, although I don't have much experience with the iLux device. Yeah, we've been, we've been um, pleasantly surprised um, with iLux and um, I couldn't agree with you more about tear care. One of the things that tear care really taught me was, you know, that a one size fits all applicator doesn't really work in all patients. And, you know, we'd have patients come back sometimes saying, oh, I don't know that it really did something. And other patients saying, you know, oh my gosh, you cured my dry eye. Um, and, and I really do feel like the fit and the stability of the activators, no matter what device you're using matters, because you have to have good contact with that heating, good heating of the, the, the actual glands themselves. And, um, you know, tear care certainly it's an external uh, applicator, as you mentioned, and then the tailored expression. Um, similarly with Ilux, um, it's actually placed, um, this little plate is placed um, behind the lower lid. And then there's a magnifier where you actually can see what you're expressing um, while you're simultaneously heating. So, um, you know, especially for patients that don't have the traditional anatomy, um, you know, anyone with floppy eyelids, anyone with tight fissures, um, some of these other procedures might be uh, something to go to first. Um, so I think that, you know, when we look at all of the things here, Brandon, I mean, we've named so many things. We've named anatomical structures, we've named the flow of the oils, social factors, practice factors. Um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is, can you do said procedure on the on the fly right can you incorporate it into your practice and um for me you know lipoflow tear care um, ilux those are easy ones to incorporate into uh in the middle of a clinic but things like ipl and and bluffx we've kind of scheduled those on a separate day and um parsed it out do do you do a lot of these procedures on the same day or so we you know it, it's tough to say we used to but now our office flow is so regimented because we have to get the patients in and out. It's more difficult because it now, like today, I was an hour behind. And that used to be, I'm always an hour behind. But now it's a major issue and someone's going to call the cops because there's five people in my waiting room, you know. So I'm less likely to do on the fly. But sometimes that patient comes in who's traveled three hours. Yeah. We have the time and it's better for me to get it done now and not bring the patient back versus have another office visit later. Um, so it kind of goes both ways and it depends on where I'm at in my office schedule. Um, I, for me, I don't have IPL, but tear care is, is quite straightforward because my technicians do almost all of the prep work. I just come in and spend about five minutes doing the expression. So it doesn't really take that much of my time. Um, Lipiflow is the same thing, you know, uh, I usually actually set the patient up for the Lipiflow and yeah. hit the go button, but then for about 14 minutes or so, I'm pretty much finished until it's done. So it doesn't really take that much of the clinician's time to get them done. So in the right setting, we will do them on the fly. It just depends on the day 
and where we're at in the office flow. Well, there you have it, you guys. There's so many options out there. Look at myography, look at the lid anatomy, look at how the oils are flowing. Um, and my best advice to everybody, and Brandon, I'm sure you'd agree, is just try things, see how it works. And if it's yeah. not working, adapt and change. And um, I think no matter what, a key message here is that you should pick a procedure uh, to treat MGD and integrate it into your practice, whether it's in your pre-surgical patients or your you know, referral base for symptomatic MGD. Yep, I agree. You gotta try procedures. You gotta keep your patients engaged to make them feel like they're part of the decision-making process. And if you do that, there's no such thing as a failure. Uh, your patients are involved and they'll say, hey, it did work, it didn't work, and they'll guide your treatment. But I appreciate anybody who's even trying. So pick Absolutely. your favorite procedure and get started with it. Couldn't agree more, Brandon. Thank you so much, Brandon, for joining us today on our podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and I always learn something new from you. <laughs> Thanks, Priya. Nice talking to you. Take care.